0: We get a chance to chat with the queen of packets herself, Laura Chappell, next on Novell Open Audio. We're not worthy. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Aaron Quill.
1: And I'm Randy Goddard.
0: And we are back from vacation. Yay. Yeah. It's funny. It's hard to believe we're... Just coming back, this is our first episode of the year, but boy, do we have a doozy. Randy, we recorded this, I think, the day or two before break. Do you, do you remember recording this? You know, I vaguely remember recording this because all the talk about Laura's
1: machine, you know, this cocktail machine that she had, kind of threw me off a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know if it was that or or if it was the actual break that caused the uh, memory loss.
0: The Margarator, that's what the name of it was. So Laura was actually out here for the ATT Live at the end of December, and we went ahead and cornered her and got a chance to sit down and chat with her. And it's funny—you can tell how excited Erin is in the conversation as soon as she starts to talk about decoding packets and things like that. It's just my ears peek up. You were just glowing, Erin. I, I know. I love. I love getting down and dirty with packets. So uh, you know what? I don't want to take anything away from it. Let's go ahead and listen to what Laura has to say. So today in the studio, Dave, Randy, and I have – we have two guests. Actually, we have a special guest who's going to help us with the interview, Eric Schlossler. (laughs) So was that even remotely close? Schetzler. Schletch. Schletch, Schetzler. Schetzler. And Eric, what do you do for us? I'm the editor-in-chief of Novell Connection Magazine. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today. And today we have a special guest, guys. We have the infamous Laura Chappell with us. Laura, good morning.
2: Well good morning. Such an easy name to pronounce by comparison. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you could call it Chappelle or Chappell. It doesn't matter, you know. Yeah.
0: So Laura, you're first off, you're you're here in the studios why? I actually saw you're on campus because of ATT because Live.
2: You me <laughs> to be here, No. Yeah, but you're, you're here no, because we we're have,
0: doing ATT Live. We have
2: ATT Live. So tomorrow, the Tuesday morning, I'm going to be doing a keynote, and then I have two hands-on sessions where the students are actually going to play around with some of the trace files, and we're going to be focusing on troubleshooting. But the morning session is going to be fun because it's it's focused on host and network forensics, and I've been doing a lot of network forensics work this year, working with a lot of companies that have been hacked, um, or they have some sort of a breach internally, whether it's an internal employee, or whatever. And we're going to start that session out actually with the evidence from the BTK killer case, Ooh. which is one of our biggest, you know, most prolific serial killers in the United States. So I'm going to go through and actually show uh, the evidence and the communications that he was having with law enforcement. Uh, and he was communicating through the newspapers and then through um, the Fox News station, the local news station. And I have the images of what he sent. And then I have all of the, the images showing what it took to extract the metadata from the file and how that actually ended up you know, getting this guy caught, and I—I I have the overhead uh, video of his uh, car being pulled over. And there's some funny things that happened that the two cops did to each other. This poor little new cop—he was so excited, and he couldn't get out of the car because of the way the car was parked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's horrible. You, you got to back up for a minute. So you—you uh, you said. Uh, Newspaper articles that he sent in. H- how are you getting metadata out of that? Um, the newspaper articles, we didn't
2: get the metadata, but it was funny because what he said to the cops was, and I have the little sheet, he said, he sent in this, um, uh, put in this this um, ad in the newspaper, and it basically said, can we communicate by a three by, f- or um, by a um, three and a quarter inch floppy, and you can't trace that back to me, right? Be honest. I mean, literally, this guy wrote, honest. <laughs> no, and the, and the no, like, we can't. Of course, no, we can't, you know, and sign off with their little special signature and everything. And So that's what he did. He sent in evidence that only the killer could have had from the Nancy Fox killing. He had images of the body before it had been moved and the cops hadn't been there. So we knew that, yes, this is definitely who he was. Uh, And then in that same thing, he sent in the three by or the uh, three and a quarter inch floppy, and the cops opened up the file in there, and you know it had been formatted on this one machine. So okay, we know where that machine is, and then you know last edited by, and he's you know all the (laughs) metadata. He used like
0: Microsoft Word or something on it. No way! (laughs) Hysterical.
2: I'm not kidding. It's absolutely hysterical. And the detective Randy Stone, who works with the Wichita Police Department, he's the one that actually got this diskette and went through and looked at the stuff, and then went out online and sort of put things. Together, and it's like, oh, there's the guy's name. It matches what's. And he started calling around saying, it can't be this easy. Can it? Can it? Can it? Can it? Can it? And somebody said, you know what? It might be. Why don't you start watching this guy? And when he got caught, he already had his next vict- victims lined up. Um, So he was already ready to keep killing, and he had also put together a safe deposit box at a bank, and he was putting in all of these items from his victims into the safe deposit box. The idea was someday he would die. His safe deposit box wouldn't get paid off. Somebody would auction it off. Somebody would get it, open it up, and, my God, they just found out who BTK was. Crazy character. So we're,
0: we're talking about one of the largest serial killers we've had And he filled out a legitimate registration for his Microsoft Word?
2: Uh, He did not, but the organization that he was working with, this church, they
1: did fill that out. And he used the church computer to do that.
2: And it was just unreal.
1: For those of you listening, you can't see Aaron squirming.
0: (laughs) So, obviously, we brought Laura in here to talk about serial killers. Thanks a lot for coming by, Laura. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) So, actually, that was I I was really just trying to get an introduction like who you were, and like you're all of a sudden telling us about dead bodies and pictures.
2: Oh, I do have pictures, too.
0: Okay. So, (laughs) Laura is I should kind of forewarn you guys a little bit. She gets a little bit technical at times. But, Laura, what do you actually do for a living when you're not here?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I actually now have three companies. And so I have Protocol Analysis Institute, which is the company that I formed right after I left Novell in 1993 I left Novell and started Protocol Analysis Institute and I've been with that company ever since this is a company where people will call me up and they'll say we have a problem with our network whether it's um, the performance is slow uh, servers down or we think we've been attacked I have one customer from last week huge company and they got attacked through their VPN through from uh, China and they want it they want me basically to either fix the network or point to where the problem is tap into the cabling system obviously I'm a wiretapper that's what I live eat and breathe for and I Want to point to where the problem is whether it's you know an internal employee or validate yes you do have child pornography that's being exchanged through the network or yes you do have the Chinese coming through this VPN and there is a login.dll file that basically is a key logger and things like that. So that's Protocol Analysis Institute and then there's Wireshark University which I announced um, this year in March at Brainshare, actually. And that is uh, focused on training people to do this type of work so that they can listen into the traffic, whether it's wired or wireless, where to listen in, and whether it's for the purpose of troubleshooting or security.
0: You too can catch serial
1: killers. You yeah.
2: too can catch serial killers. Actually, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I have had uh, some really weird cases. I have a uh, kid at a school that was ordering weapons off of a web page. And the interesting thing is the web page was a goth web page. So I can reassemble the web pages now. With Wireshark, we can actually now reassemble those web pages so we can see what the the, um, the, the user is actually seeing. And in this case, I'm looking at this goth web page, and I'm thinking, you know, what is this communication going back and forth? It just made no sense. That the HTTP traffic, just it was something was abnormal about this whole thing. Well, if you looked at the source code, there was the ordering form, and he was ordering all these weapons to be delivered to him, care of the school. And basically, this is a guy that was, you know, really into the whole Columbine High School. And of course, we've had a lot of that recently in the news. And uh, yeah, so we spent some time just watching his communication back and forth, calling the feds in, and uh, getting ready to to put him away. And so now he has his own little.
0: Private cell. Wow. Yes. So so you've got Wireshark University. Now, what's the relationship between, because I'm an old ethereal. User, The old cool thing that then went and became right. Wireshark. Right. What's the relationship between Wireshark and Wireshark University?
2: Uh, Gerald Combs is the owner of Wireshark, of course. He has the trademark on Wireshark, although it's open source and it used to be Ethereal. And Gerald and I have been communicating back and forth for years for all the Laura's Lab Kits. I've always had Ethereal on the Laura's Lab Kits, and of course now we have Wireshark on there. And last year, around November, uh, Gerald and I started talking about... Uh, putting together the training arm for Wireshark. He didn't want to do it. The developers didn't want to do it. And I said, look, why don't I put together the training arm for Wireshark? And so we created... Wireshark University specifically to train people on those skill sets in order to use Wireshark properly. Because there are a lot of people that, you know, they pull up the packets and they're streaming by and they've got the colors going and they're like, ooh, i Pretty. Ah, you know, and they go out and that's what causes a lot of people to drink very heavily now. So, <laughs> and, and that's okay, of course. But, uh, and so that's what we're doing. We're doing the training arm. And we have just picked up the training arm for three other um, products that I can't mention right now, but it's the same idea that we will provide the training. You mentioned
1: we'll, a third we'll, company. What's third I was going to say? We've gone through two.
2: <laughs> yeah, the third company. Um, we actually haven't announced it yet, so um, I'll just I just won't say the name of it. But basically, it is an investigation company. Um, I am a network forensics investigator. We have got a number of host uh, forensic investigators. We have private investigators. We have these global investigators. Uh, we just obtained office space in San Jose, California, with our. Evidence cages. We have a training center in there, and uh, the purpose of that will be to train people on doing the full forensic investigation on a network and dealing with law enforcement. These folks I'm dealing with, they're all uh, either they come from a task force, some sort of a a task force in some area, or they're involved with uh, internet crimes against children, or they are ex federal agents. Uh, state agents and things, things like that. So it'll be a one-stop shop where a company can contact us and say, I think we have a breach, or we need to train ourselves in preparation for a breach.
1: So far, all, all three of these companies sound very centered around forensic analysis. Yes. I mean, how did, how did that ha- come to be? I mean, you started here at Novell as a geek like the rest of us. No, actually, moved I wasn't into... a geek. Oh. Uh,
2: no, I was, I was actually the fun person. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what it's it 's strange because when the the whole reason I got into this stuff was of course uh, Ray Norda had bought x land Corporation and i didn 't really have a good job description when I was here. It was sort of, we'll see what you do. And if we don't like that, we'll get rid of you. And so the first few months, all I did was I walked around and I was Miss Social B and I got to meet everyone. I mean, I remember the, the the land driver division guys that would walk around with these big, huge pitchforks. And I mean, they were bizarre with these capes. And I thought, this is fun. And we used to have, I don't know if it's still here, the original um, multi-drive unit, Fred was here. It used to be behind a a partition that was resting against a wall, and there was a door behind that. And I don't know if it was in what used to be Building C, and you could go up and you move the partition, and there it was. And it was like the only system that if we lost all power in the state of Utah, that thing would still run because we had all these battery backups set up for this thing. So you know,
1: I think out. all the tubes broke on the thing. <laughs> we had to get rid of it. <laughs>
2: and you know what? They were 10-meg drives. I remember looking at it going, oh, 64 10-meg drive. Oh, my God. Gosh, someday, I bet we'll have enough data to fill like four of them. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, of course, the OS once you loaded that, you know, the 846 diskettes we had back then. But, yeah. And so Ray, Ray bought this company, Excellent Corporation, and said, go figure out what this is and whether this was a good purchase. And I walked in, and they were t- looking at the traffic, and it was flying by, and it was fascinating. It was like, oh, I'm going to do that forever. And when I left the company, um, I was then in San Jose, and I walked across the street To sign a deal with Cisco Systems to teach their engineers. And I was unemployed for about, I think, 20 minutes. And the new company, you know, I didn't even have a company started or anything. I was like, oh, I guess I need to start a company and all that stuff. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, maybe. Might you be a good to, idea. You might want to be like a legal entity we can deal with. And so then I traveled all over the world doing the Cisco things and seeing all these crazy networks. And then the security side was a natural because I'd listen into the traffic and I would see payroll data going by. Or I'd see, you know, clear text items that I should never be able to see going by. And so that kind of moved that way. And now what we're finding is a lot of companies – Uh, When they've had a breach, the first thing they'll do – it's like – and I keep referring back to dead bodies, and I don't know why. I'm just sort of in that mood today. But
1: You're all you know, dressed in it, black.
2: It, that's why. It's Yeah, it's sort of the coroner's look. But you know, if you walk into your, your home and there's a body on the floor and there's a knife sticking out of its back and there's blood all over the place and you've got spatter on the walls, the last thing you would do is take the body and bury it and take the knife, put it in the dishwasher, and hose down all the blood. But companies do that in the case of breaches. The first thing they'll do is they'll go, oh, let's quickly reimage the drives. Let's shut everything off and reimage those systems. And they have absolutely no idea if they look around – Look, hey, there's Fred coming down the hall, and that serrated knife looks just like the one we found in the back. They have no idea. And why idea. is he covered in blood? And why is he covered in blood? Oh, nice color, red, mm, holiday season. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so the whole thing is to teach these companies to deal with um, the investigation properly and to put in place items. You know, get ready with your logging ahead of time, so that when you do have to go back, you know how do you how do you get your logs and how do you do a chain of custody and how do you maintain your evidence and and not step all over it. So when you do have to find out, you know, how this happened. a lot of these companies have no idea how to protect themselves because they don't know how it happened. They have no clue. So that's what we want to get them up to
0: speed on great cool so i just want to remind our listeners out there that that was the answer to just laura what do you do for a living um we will now move on to question number two Um, so you're you're out here for att live which is a very very um quick or very very advanced classes and they're normally like three to four day classes and what we've done is we've crunched them down to like two to four hour classes and we run them all week usually the week or so before christmas every year you're out here you're teaching two of those classes you're giving a keynote You do a bunch of other stuff for us, too. In fact, one of the reasons we brought Eric in is you're now doing something monthly for us on Connection Magazine, correct? I have
2: been doing that for what seems like forever, Eric. Two years. (laughs) Two years. Two years. Every month, every month, we do an animated article, which is a recording. I sit down at my office, and I'll pull up a trace file or some topic, and I will do a lecture, and it's voiceover video. And then I send it off to Eric, and Eric does his magic work on it and puts it up under the Novell Connections magazine. There's an animated articles page on there. And that's also where people get the lab kit, the Laura's lab kit. They can download the ISO image of that. And the uh, slides – I believe, and the notes and the trace files from HD Live uh, will be online as soon as I get it to Eric. <laughs> That's right.
1: I've already I've already made the connections. Oh, you have. You're yeah. already.
2: You already. You're just waiting for me. I am. Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> so, if an animated article is not up on time, I don't want you to blame Eric because it's always he's contacting me saying, "Well, you know, we did announce that article." And, it is uh, time. It three is, weeks it's ago. It's that time. Yeah, three weeks ago. I did see the magazine come out with the print reference on there, and it was like, oh. I better record that. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm speaking about this month. Yeah.
1: And if you're looking for that, we'll provide links uh, to that in the place that you downloaded this podcast. Yeah. She's actually got her own landing page
0: on Novell Connection site. So it's novell.com slash connection magazine slash Laura And we'll also put up links to numerous ones of your different companies that you have. Okay. Good. So, um oh Nobel Connections, ATT Live, you are also responsible for one other big thing that affects me every year. You are the one who's responsible for bringing down the wireless that, network at Brainshare. No, that is not true. It's not you, it's the people that you have in your classes. Then you have to blame the stinky <laughs> attendees. <laughs> so, That's what do you do not at Brainshare I every tell year? Them not. Well, actually before before we even talk but about But then you do it. Because you brought down the kiosk right outside your...
2: Okay, but that wasn't the whole wireless network. Let's be Let's be more specific. And (laughs) that was... Actually, that was a lot of fun. That was great. Wasn't that fun? It was great. And we should... You know, we need to do that a little more. Um, Get permission from the show folks and say, "Uh, do you mind when this one session occurs? There's nothing else that's going to happen on the network. We're just playing, (laughs) you know? And then I'll stand back and have you push the button to start it. That's the
0: key, yeah, yeah. So, well, it's funny actually. Two years ago, um, I was giving a session at BrainShare, and you had the room right next to me, and it was hilarious because the session started, and about three to five minutes into it, I hear a bunch of laughing and cheering, and I'm like, "What's going on?" It's like, "Oh, Laura's next door," and I'm like, "That's okay." So, I got my whole audience. I'm like, we got to yell louder than Laura's. So, we went back and forth like three or four times I in between this. our two rooms.
2: I remember that. That was me. <laughs>
1: okay, well, now I know.
2: And are you going to be speaking at the next branch? Oh, yeah, I'm okay, sure. And then we'll have to have rooms next to Schedule each other. Them right okay. next and you know, when I'm gonna do is I'm going to yeah. get kegs of beer in my room, then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, trust me. I can, I, I can top that one.
2: <laughs> it's when you get in, you get a little flask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, you're at Here every year. And I, and I do want to mention the reason why I say you're responsible for bringing the network down is it seems like every year by like Wednesday, um someone in Laura's class, I'll be like sitting in the lunchroom, and all of a sudden you'll see two very, very anxious um, internal security people walking around looking in the lunchroom with the little device, walking up, and sure enough, they find some guy sitting at a table with a laptop open, and they grab him and promptly escort him out of the building. uh uh-huh. <laughs> Yep, yep. This Every reminds year. me of one of my
1: great uh, brainshare hobbies is uh, trashing the file systems on the brainshare computers that are provided for guests. Mike Morgan, um, are you oh. listening to this? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only
0: done it once or twice per show
2: <laughs> and we're going to have to have some disclaimers, maybe, on those systems saying, um, by the way, you know that uh, whatever you type in here is being monitored by.
1: <laughs> every year, the security on those systems has got better. Yes, it does. I, because I, I of you Dave. to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're helping. Exactly. Right. White hat, whatever <laughs> you yeah. want to call it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Laura, if, like I said, it, at Brancher, every time I go, you just have these huge, you can find Laura's sessions because they're the ones that the lines are like all the way down and there's just these huge, people are camping out like for like they're going to buy a Wii or something. I mean, people are there days in <laughs> advance. What, what do you normally cover in those sessions that gets people so excited? Oh, packets, of
2: course. I mean, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. And then we can go into, you know, hex, decodes. Oh. And oh, doesn't that sound great? I'm. I'm getting
0: no, a so actually it. I just got giddy because I just realized probably my favorite moment at BrainShare. And I can share it with you because you are probably one of the only people who will appreciate it and think it's funny. And this was back, uh, do you remember, when Radia Perlman was with us? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And yes. I saw Rodia speaking and she was talking about what happens when networks get messed up. And she was saying, and the packet will bounce in between here and the host from uh, from the start until infinity, which is 16 because this is mathematics and not engineering. <laughs> <laughs> and I just loved she it. She
2: was good. She had some good one-liners. And she would, if you watched her slides sometimes, we were up at the University of Utah back then. You know, for for a brain share. And when you would watch some of her slides, if you paid very close attention, she had some purposeful mistakes in her slides. And every once in a while, she would stop and say, "Okay, none of you are paying attention. All of you (laughs) fail. Every single one of you fail because you should have noticed that that bit position was incorrect. That should have been a one because otherwise, it's you know, we're talking about a multicast communication. That's impossible." And she would go off on this thing, and you sit there and you go, "You know what? I was just trying to stay awake because I'm hungover."
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Why are you testing me? I once got a chance
0: to have ice cream with Roddy and have her explain to me how she came up with spanning tree which was sorry for geek that's a highlight of your life man
2: (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I remember when she came to San Jose we were working on NLSP at that time and she was brought on board of course after doing all the spanning tree and OSPF work she was going to come in and look at NLSP which we hadn't released yet and I remember uh, our team saying okay you present to her what NLSP is Uh, now this is the blind leading the not so blind I said why am I standing up in front of Radia talking about NLSP which is obviously you know it's based on OSPF the way OSPF is it was the craziest moment and she would sit there and she'd go actually no no that's not right and say well well that's the way we're no, we're not doing it that way, are we, Radia? No, no, we're, you're not. You know, and uh, doing the presentation, she went through and she corrected all of these different things that we were looking at doing in LSP. I was like, okay.
0: I think oh. we should provide an acronym list on the uh, website. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe.
0: Uh, some of us are Rips, showing our staff. technical age at this point. We'll just about say, <laughs> I saw yeah. oh, yeah. you, invest, you, you tell my stuff. I can't have that stuff going across my routers, <laughs> and my oh, bridges. My <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, but this brain
2: chair, I'm going to bring up some new things, and of course, I say that now, and we'll see if I have development time. But I do want to um, focus a little bit on the game traffic. I do want to, to show an analysis of the game traffic and have all the trace files there of the different types of games that you might find on a corporate network and, uh, you know, how can we identify the games? Um, more importantly, how can we block the games? Um, but probably most importantly, how can we win at the games by attacking <laughs> the other players? And so I think you, you mentioned
1: funny. a couple of games specifically that you were, were looking uh, at.
2: World of Warcraft, uh, of course, legal crack for adults as they call it. Um, that one is important to me because my son plays, and I play against him, and I'm very bad, and I have a very low-level character, and he's like a level 45, and I'm still a level 2, maybe 3 sometimes. Um, and I can attack his character, so all he can do is he can sort of walk and shoot rabbits. And I go flying by, and he's like, Mom, something is wrong with the <laughs> network. I don't, I don't feel a thing, honey. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's great. Just this constant data stream going to his workstation. And BitTorrent is another uh, tool that I want to delve into a little further, go through the analysis of BitTorrent, um, talk a little bit about this this crappy peer-to-peer environment that we are definitely moving towards for a lot of reasons, and uh, you know how good or bad is it, and what can we do to fix BitTorrent in areas that needs help, and then Skype. I get a lot of questions about Skype, about how do I block Skype on my network, you know how detrimental is Skype communications, and uh, you know, and there are some tricks that you can do if you get caught with uh, you know in the Skype world, and and people won't let you go once they find out that you're you're a Skypey. A Skyper. Then they're a Skyper, a Skypey. Well, I think of it as Skype because it's really being done to you. Um, and so there are different tricks that you can do to get yourself out of the Skype world by, you know, giving your friend Eric that IP address for the day and then all of a sudden it's like, oh here, Eric, let's talk. And then you come back on with a new IP address and then you don't have any of these people trying to talk to you. So there's all these little tricks and stuff. So I want I want to go more into some of the, the more interesting applications that we see on our networks, I think. I think, you know, we'll see. I might totally change my mind.
0: So what are you seeing that's slowing down people's networks now? Is it specifically stuff like uh, BitTorrent and yes. World of Warcraft? Yeah,
2: a lot of that um, – well, World of Warcraft relies on BitTorrent to do its update process. Okay. And the problem is even if uh, World of Warcraft on this level that we're at right now uh, in December 2007, even in this version, if I turn off World of Warcraft, I shut down the application, I still have the BitTorrent traffic running in the background because BitTorrent is running as a separate oh, little sure. applet in the background. and. In Skype, also, my system starts up, and I'm automatically, you know, logging into Skype in the background. There's a constant data stream going on in the background, and you know, we've got a lot of these websites that are out there that are constantly changing their feeds every second. So you get up and you walk away, and guess what? You think, well, I couldn't be adding to the traffic because I'm not downloading anything. No, that's not true. You've constantly got this data going on from all the ads that are flipping around, and you know, a really crappy website can affect. You know the whole entire network, the more people that go to it.
1: So it's not necessarily the protocol that's affecting it. It's not even necessarily the fact that you've got this this daemon or this process that's running in the background, but it's the the amount of data and the way that that data is being little, interchanged exactly. and that causes the problem. Exactly,
2: and little itty-bitty stinking packets. Everybody's riding a moped all over the network, and it's just horrible. It's absolutely awful. And one of the things I will be talking about at BrainShare um, this coming year is, well, two of the things that I think are really exciting, and one is... Um, on a lot of our networks performance wise we are focused on these ants that are in front of us all these little tiny problems that we want to figure out and right now we have got this elephant coming up behind us and five years ago about 30 percent of the networks i saw had this problem on it um now i'm almost a hundred percent of networks that have performance problems have got this one issue and it has to do with um the fact that our Data streams are getting so much faster. Our bandwidth is much greater now. We're doing more video feeds. And we now have a crunch happening at the CPU. We have applications that are not able to go and pick the data up out of that TCP receive buffer. And we've got workstations that begin to advertise a zero window right in the middle of the data stream. And, in fact, on the website, on the Novell Connections uh, website, that landing page, I'm going to be talking about that at ATT Live tomorrow tomorrow. And you can actually get a trace file, download the trace file and the description. You'll see in my notes file, I'm explaining what happens in this trace file, but you'll see what it looks like when this is a problem. And in this situation, the user literally said, you know, the internet connection is slow. I mean, and it feels like the internet connection is slow. There's no evidence that anything else is the problem. You just feel like it's a big latency issue, and it's not. It's the client's workstation that's at fault because now the data stream is so heavy, and they're running local video, they're doing all these other things, they have they don't have the processing power.
1: So is it actual processing power, or is it the stack that's causing problems? It's the problems?
2: actual processing power at that local workstation. Wow. You begin stripping off applications that don't need to be running, and all of a sudden, the receive window pops up again, because the applications are going and picking up the data. It's crazy. And that's a 32-second delay that was caused by this one. And that was, they were running... Uh, porno videos, but I mean, really any videos. I don't think, now that's an analysis. I wonder if porno videos cause more stress on the, <laughs> the workstation. I'm not sure. We'll have to, you can write some sort of an application to judge that.
0: So you wouldn't Perhaps. believe how funny this is because of a conversation that I had with my son this weekend. He, he's building, you know... About a, porno? Yeah,
1: about
0: porno videos. <laughs> how, how old is he? His porno videos are getting choppy. <laughs> and he called me, and he's like, Dad, this <laughs> just is a, no, it ain't so, that. Dad, you don't look so good in this one. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Um, so, my, my son's of course building, building a new box for the holidays and one of the things he tells me is he's like, Dad, I want to get this killer nick with a processor on it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? we did this stuff 10 to 15 years ago that was the big thing was to have processors put some of the device driver actually on the NIC itself yep. and I'm like we walked away from all that stuff because processors got so fast and it's like now I'm going to have to go home and tell them that I'm wrong You're right. not only are you <laughs> wrong you are so wrong because
2: um, in a lot of our NICs now we do all this offloading of our checksums and that's another thing that you know you can go into Wireshark and you can look at the list of all the drivers uh, that are recognized under the system oh. and you can go to the details section you can see which one of those actually offer tcp checksum offloading uh, ip header checksum offloading and that's what we're doing We're throwing all this po- processing down to the card because our processors are you know more importantly handling you know the porno that you're i was fourth grade he's building his own system
0: he, he, <laughs> he's it? in seventh so yeah oh, oh, he's, a little, he's a
2: little slow though. Yeah. i'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> but he needs a little help but yeah it's it's amazing we're going back to all these old things that you know and it cracks me up when you start talking to people about some technology um, I remember teaching a class and asking people, okay, here's a data stream. I'm going to flood this network. I'm just going to kill it. I'm going to flood it with this tool. It's going to be great. And I'm showing the packets. I'm showing how fast they're going. And I asked the audience, now, could I have done this better? Could I have sent these packets out back to back with absolutely no time in between each packet? And sure enough, this audience, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <gasps> Don't you remember Ethernet? What's wrong with you? You don't remember your interpacket gap time. I mean, uh-huh. come on! And I want to know the number in microseconds. Tell me what the number is. And it's like everybody's in the room, like, going, I wonder if this session's over soon. <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to talk to you know, ask us questions. We're supposed to ask questions. But it's interesting. A lot of people didn't grow up and don't don't know about the Ethernet days. I mean, all the problems we had with Ethernet. Remember that? Yeah. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. I remember that when 3Com had oh, different the st- things they were doing, and we had collisions and back-off oh, algorithms. the storms
0: that would go on <gasps> on hubs, and it was just a nightmare. Or, or before 10Base-T was a standard, so everybody had their oh. own proprietary way of doing twisted pair. And you had to, like, go on, on the board and set jumpers to say how you wanted it configured to yep. work with your hubs. It was oh, a pain. Do you
2: remember ArcNet? I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I've, I've met-
0: soldered oh. ArcNet passive hubs before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and Proteon, Pronet 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you didn't turn it just right, really. You weren't in the ring. You thought you were, but you weren't. And, you know, the $40 little flashlight thing that you used for the twenty eight. Yeah. Oh, To this, go just,
0: reset the mouse and you, you, you'd bad. hear problems going on on uh, somebody who's got a token network. You'd go in their data center. You'd just hear click, 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 yep, click, yep, click, yep, yep, click, click, yep. click as everything's resetting. Yep. And. and
2: see, it's lucky that we started in networking when we were 10, 11 years old. Because yeah. <laughs> otherwise we would have gray hair now
0: and you, be really, you know, really I'm, old. I'm sorry to say but you two need help
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. we, We've
0: got professional help on site That can oh, so, assist um, you. you You also play with honeypots a lot
2: uh, that's a, Wow, That's like, like an interesting question um, Well, not publicly <laughs> um, Yeah, Actually, yeah And This next Brainshare Network uh, I do want to have some honeypots set up on the network And I do want to give the audience a chance To try to find
0: those honeypots You know what, back up for a second What's a honeypot?
2: Oh, a honeypot is a system that is a decoy. It's actually set up to look like a functioning server or client. Uh, It's a machine that's just a deception. That's all it is. And it sits there, and its job is to be a professional victim. And instead of having the servers try to report to you that we've got this scan going on underway or somebody's doing a SQL server attack or anything, we want the honeypot to maintain all that information, gather the trace file that led up to the attack, gather all the evidence. Some honeypots are aggressive, so they'll go back and, of course, do reconnaissance on the person that's doing the attack. But we want those machines to do that kind of research for us and maintain all of our logs and, and all of that information. So we, we drop the honeypot right in the middle of the server farm and try to make it look like it's a real server. And the honeypot that I'll be using um, in Brainshare next year is probably going to be KF Sensor, which is interesting because I can set it up to pretend to be a Linux box in the wireless world and a Windows box in the wired world. So oh, it can cool. be set up as two different environments. And then I can watch what's going on between these two worlds and all the horrible things that the – the fabulous students at the, at the conference do to it. And so I want to I have those up there so that they can get the feel of going around and looking and try to, trying to find the honeypots. And I will, I will try to have a separate network for these honeypots because I don't want them going out and scanning the whole you know, brain share network and bringing down the brain share network um, not directly through my influence.
1: Yeah, we already talked about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not going to do that this year for not sure. Not
2: this year. No, no, absolutely not, no. So we're
0: we're running out of time, but I got one more question for you. Okay. So one of my favorite authors, David Sedaris, have you read any of his books? Oh, wonderful. No. Okay, well, in his latest book, uh, Dress Your Family in Corduroy, he actually has a, an intera- interesting section in there where he talks about how when you're young – how cool it is to sit there with your brothers and sisters and go, you know, when they make a movie about my life, who's going to play me and who's going to play you? And what, what happened to David Sedaris is they actually optioned one of his books, and now they are making a movie about oh, him. And he said, funny. you know, it's funny to talk about that when you're a kid, but when it's really happening and you got to pick who's going to play you in the movies, it gets freaky. And you're like the only person I know that I can ask Really, What's that like? Because they are making a movie about you, aren't they? They are. I have the script
2: finally. Of course, we have the writer's strike now, which is kind of slowing everything down. But um, I do finally have the script. And after all this time, it's gone through all these changes. It was very much a... um, at one point, it was sort of a born-identity type of a, a situation. You're going to kill people serious. and just be like, "Oh well, Yeah, h-hook. you know, that knife in the back? Yeah. You know, I'm the one walking around with a blood spatter on me. Um, and how do I get that off my boots? You know? um, no wonder and so you wear black all the time. That's, that's right, because the blood doesn't show so much, you know, and things like that. And I can hide weapons easier that way. But um, it was very, very serious for quite a while, and at that point um, – They did receive word from Jodie Foster that she was interested in. (laughs) So we went for a long time with Jodie Foster as the main lead. And now uh, Disney, because of their change in their uh, view of their family-oriented audience, and they got rid of Touchstone Pictures and all, they decided to go with a a little lighter um, uh, focus. So they're going to be going for a younger audience. So now I really don't think Jodie Foster's going to be in that role. It's very hard for me to imagine her taking comedy to that level. I I do know that there is another uh, actress that's... Um, Sounds
1: like Anne Hathaway to me. Oh, um, it's a real shame Julie Andrews isn't available. Oh. <laughs> oh,
2: you know what? Her son lives right next door to my brother in Los Angeles, so he gets to see her all the time. Isn't that nice? Yeah, she's an interesting character. Um, So I can't remember... I can't mention really who this person is, but she has won an Academy Award. Oh, excellent. Which is good. And... Um, and she can sing, which I can't, which is – that's the only part where we differ there is that she apparently can sing. And, um,
1: I thought you said you were going to sing tonight.
2: Well, I, I'm going to sing tonight after drinks. It doesn't mean that I can sing. I will <laughs> sing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Funky Town, I think is – yeah, I think that's what's uh, – yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting. We'll see when that comes out. But it's funny looking because they have a lot of my tools. You know, they have the earrings that have special, you know, uh, applications on the earrings. Uh, the dress, they have the whole um, electronic dress which has gone through all these changes because, you know, nobody wears a big flowy dress quite like that anymore, so it had to be really cinched up quite a bit, um, and then had to be able to go from floor length up to knee length very quickly. So it had to have different ways of doing all these crazy things. It's all soft button technology, and hopefully we will have that ready for brain chair to bring that dress to brain chair.
1: Can, can we get an action figure, too? I was going to uh, say, we can d- we mention honey pots? We
2: did, actually. I did sign an agreement for action figures for no the way. film. yeah So the main character... It's, they're actually using all of our real first names. So they have my first name. They have my both of my kids are in the uh, in the movie. Uh, the dog at this time, which I had an oversized Great Dane I had to put down recently, but um, the dog is actually I guess Great Danes are not trainable. They're too dumb. Which that yes. I can I can yeah. To that. yeah exactly. But it's actually Saint Bernard, and uh, right now his name is Mitnick. So we'll see.
0: Oh neat. <laughs> That's really now. Whoa, whoa, what about your assistant? Because I'd read your female <gasps> assistant was upset that they had turned her into a um, gay oh. male.
2: A gay male, a gay African-American male, yes. And before that, she was an old Asian woman that was very cranky and, and mean. So she's gone through all of these iterations. And, um The funny thing is, you know, you you sign these rights for the action figures, which you're laughing because you're not sure exactly what her action figure is going to be. It's always sort of like a lump of clay and we will find out what she's going to be. And her biggest fear for a while was that she was actually going to be the dog, Mitnick. (laughs) 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 Everything she really does was going to be handled by the dog. Um, And when the script came out to review it, um, she's actually not in it. (laughs) (laughs) she really is just a lump of clay on the counter in my kitchen (laughs) that's it yeah she's not it they decided to really focus on um the interaction between the main character and her fbi contact and um, and so we'll 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 see.
0: You know, do we have a rough time frame? Like, is this in the next couple years?
2: Um, it should have been Christmas 2008, most likely. Uh, but then again, we have an issue with um,
0: the writer strike. The writer the writer's strike,
2: Sh- right? Yeah. And our our primary producer director is uh, Peter Gunn. So we do have uh, that all listed. But it all depends on the writer strike. But I do know that out of the top uh, set of movies in development right now, we're right up on top. So it'll probably go. But uh, and there are some scenes that are pretty tough to watch. It's like, uh, technically that's not yeah. really possible So
0: that's a serious <sighs> question because like my wife has finally put down rules in the house that Computer movies are just. I'm not allowed to be in the room whenever t- there's a computer. Oh, I get yeah. really, really upset because it's not possible. It's you, you know. You didn't like the oh net. no, we're getting attacked. Oh god, we're, we're <laughs> being attacked by viruses and things yeah. melt and on the, the fact screen. That when
2: when programmers compile code, how how cool it is because it's three dimensional. Oh yeah, and you actually see it as blocks that are kind of coming together in these geometric forms and all. And,
1: and it was all done by one
0: keystroke. And, yeah. And,
2: yes, that's the amazing thing. Or when oh. you just live hack, you know, 128 bit encryption. Yeah. You know, well, while somebody's you
0: know. That's what we do actually. Actually, one of the first tours I got my son when he was like a year old is I got him an old keyboard and we always used to play this game where you'd sit there and you'd be pretend that you were breaking it into a system and then you'd go oh no it's triple encrypted so you type really really because <laughs> <fast. laughs> that's, that's what good. happens in the that's movies yeah.
2: yeah yeah I mean uh, there are some, some scenes that uh, I had to go meet with the writers and sit down with them face to face because I, I couldn't reach my hand through the phone and slap them hard enough to make them realize that this is impossible. Not only is it impossible, but this isn't the way that this is done. And we don't need to use nuclear warheads in space <laughs> <laughs> to do this. I mean, there was a time literally where they were taking a a, 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 a football coliseum and turning it into a fair day box for this one. Pro- for us, so it was like, but now if you know how this works, you know, this, is impossible and they're like it's the movies <laughs> yeah, but you know what i there's got my name integrity. on it as a technical <laughs> advisor so that's not going to happen but there's
1: so. a great opportunity here to do two movies in one by embedding one in the other are you going to do it
2: well you know we, um, there are a number of items that are in the film that if you know me or you know Novell Connection Magazine or you know my relationship to Novell uh, my history with Novell you, you would catch certain things that are in the props But if you look very closely, you'll see there's one prop that I just sent them that has – um, some of the old Novell logos embedded. <laughs> Sharks, in shark teeth? Yeah, there's yeah. some really good, oh, There are some really interesting little things, and there's some references. You will see a reference to um, not an IP address, but an IPX address. Oh, excellent. Which is, <laughs> which is really cute, you know, and uh, there is something with SAP in there that comes up on this screen, <laughs> SAP, and uh, uh, there are some there are some interesting things. there, And that's why I mentioned, you know, ProNet 10, because I do actually have a little ProNet 10 box in, in as one of the... Um, the hubs <laughs> I was like well, we're just going to hub out it's actually a ProNet 10 box and if you li- you know they don't know the writers don't know it looks good and it has a lot more dials and things on it buttons than normal and hub. flashy yeah, lights yeah it does have lights on it um, which we had to add actually because the original one didn't have any lights it's like well can we put lights on it oh sure we'll put lights a lot of red lights let's do that oh, and they'll blink a certain Ali's? way and uh, <laughs> it has a message in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of little hidden things that'll be in the props that any steganography used. Pardon me? Any steganography? There will be steganography in the movie in one point. Um, However, they don't know it. Uh, They didn't want to use steganography (laughs) because of um, a recent movie, that, or not so recent, but there was a movie that came out, I can't remember, with Morgan Freeman, where they focused on steganography in the classroom. And they didn't want to to use that. But if you go to the website for the film, there will be some still images of the film, and every one of those has something in it, because I get to... uh, Play with the images before they get uploaded.
1: That'll awesome. be that'll be four pixels, and it's your job to turn them
2: back into a ten twenty four <laughs> by seven sixty eight <laughs> image. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of fun, and 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 you know they've been really open for me to hide things in there and to put in a technical, um, almost a technical treasure hunt. For the more technical audience, you know, and they don't, they know that the more technical audience is going to have issues with some of the things they, they do. And this is the way to appease that audience is it's sort of tongue in cheek. It's like, yeah, we know this is, we know this is impossible. But if you paid really close attention, you'll get these 200 and some odd little jokes That's about great. technology. Yeah, you know what? It, it actually is really fun. It makes me feel better being technical advisor that uh, people are going to know, oh, no, no, we we do know the technology, but this is Hollywood, so it's a little different.
0: Well, great. Laura, thanks a lot for swinging by the studio and chatting with us.
2: Well, thanks, guys. Thank you. This is this has been fun. Cool. Take and care. Thanks for the margaritas. This uh, was you're really good. Those are really <laughs> excellent.
0: So can you tell I got excited when I was talking Oh, to her? yeah. You know, just
1: a little bit there.
0: <laughs> My voice goes up a little bit higher. I talk a little <laughs> bit faster. Actually, we had a cool time when Laura was here because Connections Magazine, if you remember, is out of print. They're going totally electronic. And as part of their uh, first issue that's going to be all electronic – I got a chance to sit down and talk to Laura again, and we actually have video from that interview, and that is going to be hosted up on the new Connections uh, right website on. where Connections Magazine is going to be hosted. What's cool about that interview, what we talked about is you know, some of us may have dealt with having a computer that's been compromised before. And, you know, a standalone like your workstation get something on it so that now it becomes a zombie or what have you. What Laura actually talks about is how we should handle it differently when it's a host that gets compromised, where it's actually something that uh, we then want to – you know, not just shut off and try to restore from tape. Immediately F disk and reinstall. Exactly. She said, you know, bad thing to do. What we really want to do, especially when it's it's a host that's been compromised, is to bring it up in a lab environment on a hub, not a switch. still connect it out to the internet with protocol analyzer. So the first thing we can do is try to figure out, you know, who is it trying to connect to? Who's the home server that it's talking to and everything? But for details on that... Just go to the new uh, Connection magazine online and watch the uh, video.
1: Save a tree and read Connections online. Exactly. Right on. Um, That wraps it up for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.